Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. All right. What's um, on the agenda? Well, it's looking pretty full here, and I'm just wondering whether you'd indulge me because I did watch the AFLX draft. Oh, I'm not one of you, am I? <laughs> You've changed. I think we need clear air. On. Could we have some clear air for AFLW, please? Tess and I were talking about it, though. Yeah. Like, we were sort of saying there's so many entry points into football. Yeah. You can't get rid of one. Like, if this brings people in, you know, I think it's great. And mm. I, I honestly, I think they should, they should probably – they should make it smaller. Like <laughs> – they should no, play on smaller grounds yeah, or yeah, they should, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like, would you pay to see two ruckmen in a shot put circle? <laughs> like, <laughs> depends on the ruck. Like depends how, on the ruckman. Have you seen this week they've talked about asking the players to, saying you don't have to turn up in your team gear, you can turn up just wearing <laughs> yeah. casual clothes. Oh. But they don't want them to turn up in actual just casual clothes. They want them to, like, take it next mm. level, oh, no. like catwalk of Milan kind of thing. And I was wondering, <laughs> you what? could make it. Yeah, like they've said, you know, like, like no up, socks, no I, socks. I, I think the ankles are hoy. I think the idea is to encourage them to wear outfits that are an expression of their personality mm, or identity. Yeah. To like try. a bit rock star. I'm so such a fan of the Big Lebowski. I'd come in my dressing gown <laughs> if it was me. Yeah. I reckon there's a, a missed opportunity if they don't like make it like a Mad Monday. Oh, and like like, turn up, like toilet paper themselves. Yeah, oh. or turn up as Mario in a Mario Kart. I was going to say, well, that time that Matthew, I think it was Matthew Scarlett who turned up as Hannibal Lecter, strapped yes. to a, a yeah, trolley, perfect. and uh, he got out of the back of a maxi taxi <laughs> and they wheeled him in, strapped on. That'd say, be, imagine that. That'd Did he say quid pro quo. <laughs> That's so funny. That'd be a ratings winner. When they talk about AFLX being a, a, a piece of marketing, he was marketing genius. Do they talk about that? Yeah, yeah, apparently. Because <laughs> um, so, we're talking about it, I guess. No, it's a genius. Like if you take you take Fife, Dangerfield, Rewalt and Eddie Betts and put them together and let them chat, it, it's, it was so good to watch. Could we just have a morning show? Oh, my God, that's Sorry. genius. <laughs> no, well, I love the AFLX. Why? I don't know why but... Fox Footy wouldn't do that, by the way. Anyway, that's it. I should pitch that to them. But you've got the Deadly, the Bolts, the Flyers and the Rampage. But can we just not bypass the rules here? The most left field rule is that a nominated player known as a game changer, so they're politically motivated <laughs> and inspiring, mm. uh, earn double points for his side during the final five minutes of each match, which means a points becomes two points, a goal will turn into 12, and a super goal will go from 10 to a whopping 20. Is oh this just goodness. so they can say that they outscore AFLW? They're <laughs> cheating now. <laughs> Actually cheating. It's like That's a golden snitch. Yeah. And it's totally how I used to play. I was the youngest child. So I used to play all my games like that where I'd say, all right, well, if I get a goal, though, it's worth like 100,000 points because I would always be so far behind. <laughs> and yeah. so that gave me a chance to win in the last round. There is a circumstance in which I reckon it would be fair to score double points for everything. And that is if you can score those double points while wearing one of those Mad Monday outfits that I now want the players to play in. So, for example, if Maddie Scarlett was still playing and came out strapped to the trolley as Hannibal yeah. Lecter, if he could kick a goal from that position, 
I'd give him not only – I'd probably give him 40 points, 50 maybe. Yeah. Why do they have to wear costumes when they already have costumes? <laughs> I know. Like I keep looking at that jumper with the fallopian tubes on it. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, that's not anatomically correct. They, sh- they should put that on the shorts, like not on the jumper. It's quite triggering too, that jumper for all of us who've had some gynecological I know, problems. Right? I, can att- I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. Tess, on the show today, can yeah. we play Paul Kennedy talking about how ACE AFLX is? Hang on, I'll get up the audio and then we'll decide. That AFLX is coming up. I haven't talked about it much because I don't consider it to be a, a genuine competition, just a pre-season knockabout, short-form pre-season games, and the blokes reportedly getting more money to play in that than the women are for their proper season, which is a, which is uh, not which right. is a proper competition. Mm. Well, you've got to ask yourself, even in a commercial sense, um, just plainly commercial sense, what is more valuable to the AFL, which, which uh, regards very highly its bottom line? Mm. And I would suggest that uh, AFLW is way more important to the overall uh, focus of Aussie rules yep. than um, some uh, dodgy pre-season competition that hardly anyone I know cares about. Oh, oh. <laughs> dodgy. Where he, gets, where he gets the idea from that's not a proper competition. I, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just had another thought on the size of the game though. You know how our iPhones just got like smaller and smaller and smaller and now they're getting bigger and bigger and mm. bigger. Mm. AFLZ, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be over like, 200 acres, it's going to be like the Hunger Games. <laughs> We're going to just send them out. Staged over nine spectacular nights. <laughs> oh, they have to camp. They have to forage for food. <laughs> Actually, okay, I would watch that. I would watch that too. I would watch that. I would, watch that. I would definitely well, watch and what, that. What would happen, oh, no. Felicity? Would there be like a goal hidden somewhere in like the forest and you've got to find the goalpost to get the ball there and kick it? Like it's a mystery. You've got to fashion them out of a tree. You have to find a pig for the pig skin. Make the football. Oh no. I'm vegetarian. That's I reckon you'd need, as we've talked about, I know you've talked about on the pod before, you'd need Chelsea Randall there. And back in the day, uh, Brendan Whitecross from Hawthorne, because he, I think he was That's a real. Random. I know it is. <laughs> like, no, wow, he's a okay. real camper. You, he was a real camper. He's, he's a real outdoors man. man. Do you yeah. think though you've got to be really quiet in in, in oh, this true. game, right? And Luke yes. Bruce goes past. Yes. Bruce, yes. he's yeah, going to get caught out. Yeah, everyone would yell out. Come yeah. on, you, you need sneaky. Honestly, we'll talk about Hawthorne. <laughs> I can always bring it back around to Hawthorne. Actually, I'm not interested in AFL M or W anymore. I'm fully on board with AFL Z as long as they don't do the pig thing. Okay, because I reckon it's the best idea ever. Fully, and you know what? Like it'd be like the Hunger Games with cameras hidden in every tree, 24-hour coverage, (laughs) round the clock. Imagine the nation would be glued to the television. That would be amazing. You know that guy whose name escapes me, who's the the host of Hunger Games with the blue hair? Caesar. Correct. Flippity gibbity. Flippity. Yeah. Yes. The Gollum Pyre. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, I was going to say, who would be the equivalent host? It's got to be someone with flamboyance. I think Dennis Kometi. Yeah, oh, Dennis. yes, he could do his hair blue. Could do it so well. <laughs> with blue Dennis hair. has got time. And he brings enough gravitas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the necessary gravitas necessary. for AFL he Hunger Games. He has the integrity that they're looking <laughs> for in AFL's head, <laughs> yeah. which is going to be – I really think we should pitch this. I'm going to like some kind of trademark. AFLZ just before anyone else gets okay. it. It's so, a full goer. Yeah, All it's right. a full goer. But yeah. in the meantime, should we talk about our actual show? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. She's a dominant force. If there is a weak spot out there, she can actually turn that around and use it to your advantage. At the top of the goal square, she kicks it. She snaps a spectacular tumbling goal. And the Groundbreakers. History makers. 
This is The Outer Sanctum on ABC Radio. It is ABC Radio Melbourne and this is The Outer Sanctum. This is the voice, of course, of Alicia sometimes. Emma Race is out on the bench doing her wonderful stuff. She will be back. Don't panic. She'll be back next week. But I'm sitting at the helm this week, which is a lot of fun. And we are here to talk footy and all things AFLW and things of interest, lightning, thunder and blackouts. And that's just us watching the game last night. I have to introduce my beautiful, loving football sisters, as Emma Race would say. Lucy Race is here. Hi, I'm Kate Sear. Good and to be with you. I'm Felicity Race. And of course, Nicole Hayes as well on the bench. So, Outer Sanctum, who are we? Six footy loving sisters who love the game of AFL. And we are so excited to be here. We've got a huge show coming up. We're talking to Shiloh Curtis and Dr. Bridie O'Donnell, Director of Office for Women in Sport and Recreation. There is so much to get through. And we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about, I guess, anything to do with games, but. There's something to do with games and us, and that is we kind of won an award. Weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the Sports Australia Awards uh, were media awards were on the other night. And what happened, Kate? Well, we, it was a great honour for us, actually. We went along to the awards night. We were nominated for an award for our Best Depiction of Inclusive Sport. A great honour even, really, just to be nominated. And um, we won. So it was an extraordinary uh, moment for us. There were also um, a number of other awards given out, including awards for the best coverage of uh, people living with disabilities competing in sport and best individual coverage of of sport across the country. So we had the opportunity to not just celebrate our achievements and, and thank people who've helped us along the way, all of our supporters and listeners, but also to meet an extraordinary range of people. It's going to sound very name droppy if I if I tell you some of the people who we met. But what a what a moment we got to meet Kurt Fernley, who oh my um, almost needs no introduction, but is uh, a para athlete who has been breaking boundaries in this country for years. He's won pretty much everything. He's done the Kokoda Trail, among other things. We also got to meet Liz Ellis, who was the MC of the night, of course, um, former Australian netballer. Gee, who else? Lucy Zalich, who uh, won a top individual award and gave a great speech. Dennis Kometi, who was given the Lifetime Achievement Award, um, and he gave a beautiful speech and, and a tribute to Bruce McAvaney too, which was gorgeous. But I think Lucy and I, a real highlight for us too, was meeting Craig Foster in part because we had an opportunity to talk to Craig about the incredible work he has been doing, the advocacy in recent times for Hakeem Al-Arabi to try and help free him. He's a refugee who's caught in Thailand at the moment. Yeah, just to just to congratulate and encourage Craig to keep going on. And I encourage our listeners who aren't familiar with that story to get online and learn a bit more about it too. It's a very important one. He's a bit of a hero. And I tell you who's a bit of a hero for me was Bruce McAvaney. And I got to go up to him and <laughs> he's got the softest hands, let me tell you. Aww. He is a nice person. That but he's got the surprise <laughs> me. I imagine him as having soft hands. <laughs> and Well, I kind of lost my being. I was kind of like, hi, hi I'm Alicia. You're Bruce? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> so we'd love to know when have you met your hero? It doesn't have to be 
uh, sporting hero, but your hero, Lucy, how did you go? Well, sometimes I think it's really challenging when you meet your hero because you want to be so cool, but you all end up in a, a bit of a puddle, I think. <laughs> and it made me think of last last week at the Collingwood Geelong game. Emma Race and I, at the end of the game, found ourselves caught up in the atmosphere. We were standing on some chairs, which, sorry, stadium, I know you're not meant to do that, and right near the race and calling out to players and going, Meg McDonald, Meg McDonald. <laughs> and then we had just had a moment of clarity where we looked at ourselves and said, here we are, like these women in, women in our 40s, screaming out like, these are uh, rock stars in front of us and um, we wondered if that was cool or not. I don't think that's cool at all, but I think I can out-uncool you massively here. <laughs> you can top it, Felicity. Oh, I tell you, probably in my mind the coolest athlete going around is Sam Kerr. I mean, she, totally. there's something yeah. about her. And a few weeks ago I was at a, a, a hotel um, at a work conference and um, as I walked in I realised the whole Matilda's team was in the foyer I did what every normal person would do. I, I put that idiotic smile on my face and sort of <laughs> nodded and smiled straight at Sam like, oh, hi. Yeah, I'm acknowledging I, I, I know who you are. And and I must admit at the time I thought, gee, they're not as chipper as the AFLW girls, are they? And um, I, I did realise it was possibly an hour after they'd all been notified that their coach had been sacked. So it was a strange mood. But then I backed it up by doing that stupid smile nod <laughs> you know, come on, we kind of know each other now thing again uh, later in the day and once again, strainy face back. The third time I saw Sam in the hotel was I was there for work and um, one of the the one of the gorgeous parts of my job is I uh, sell a range of products used for incontinence and we were having a fitting session where we were learning how to apply some of these products to each other. And so as I'm sort of kneeling with my head up the backside of a gorgeous, gorgeous French um, product manager who was wearing literally high heels, leggings and leaning on a chair in a very French manner. And I'm fitting an incontinence pad to her. I looked around and there's Sam Kerr on the other side of the glass door. And this time she smiled and nodded at me. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not leaving my hotel room ever again. Was You're not most, cool. Oh, it was the most uncool <laughs> moment of my life. <laughs> and you are always the epitome of cool. Oh, 100%. But I, I must admit, you know, seeing um, Katie Brennan and I've been lost for words. We're getting some of your SMSs. Congrats to all. Also, Frio, which we'll talk a bit about later too. Danae and Zoe pumped for the Dockers versus Lions tomorrow. Forecast, 37 Ooh. degrees. And another SMS. We're very excited about your award. The cast of people that you met are amazing. Love your stories of being fan girls I'm one of yours Robin from Ramson Street thank you Robin so we're getting some tweets in as well so thank you to Elfie who sent in a lovely tweet Elfie says I didn't have a sporting hero until I went to the first AFLW game in 2017 Darcy Vessio kicked four goals who can forget that night Mm -hmm. Um, and she won my heart forever Absolutely gorgeous. And on Facebook, people have joined in the conversation on the ABC Facebook page. Barry Doman has said that he met Bono in the height of U2's popularity during the 90s and noted that he was a very small man. He also said (laughs) that he met John Travolta a few times and he's a very tall man with huge hands. So that's true. You do get to see them up close. But are his hands soft? 
we don't know. Yeah, we can okay. neither confirm right, nor go deny. Back. Go but, back, Barry. But when you're nervous, it's amazing what you notice. <laughs> what you notice. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I must admit, Alicia, if you don't mind me saying, I don't know if I've ever seen you as flustered as, flustered <laughs> as I did on Thursday night after you had met Bruce. Um, and, and, and I think I said to you afterwards too, you know, we all need somebody as well to have somebody look at us like Bruce McAvaney looked at Dennis Cometti that night. It was beautiful. Um, but look, you girls know this story, um, talking about encountering your heroes. In 1999, I went along to the ticker tape parade that was being held in the city of Melbourne uh, to congratulate the Australian men's cricket team who had won the World Cup. And I went along specifically to see Brendan Julian, who I really loved and he was a great hero of mine. I queued up for a really long time. I managed to get myself right up at the front of the barriers. And then the parade began and the cars came along at that really slow pace as they do. And I saw Brendan Julian approaching me and I was really excited, sat up on the back of one of those cars. And just as he came to me, I threw a streamer. I thought I was throwing a streamer into the air, but I hadn't unfurled it properly. And I pegged it and hit him straight in the head. So um, sorry about that. And then he just slowly went past you in the motorcade. There was nowhere for me to go because, of course, I'd pinned myself up in front of of the barrier and I couldn't get out. Loving your SMSs. Hi, met my dad's hero when he walked into the real estate agent I worked at, uh, Tom Hafey. I went weak at the knees. What an amazing man, Sam. So we have to talk about last night because the lightning, the thunder, the blackouts weren't just us watching the game. So who played and what happened? Well, it was a case of Friday Night Lightning, wasn't it? (laughs) Rather than Friday Night Lights. Um, North Melbourne went up to play GWS Giants and it was just like round two last year where at the same oval the game was really marred by some very intense storm activity It was incredible. It was delayed by about 45 minutes. Um, The lights then went out with four minutes to go in the first half. And we had a funny situation where the Giants girls were standing on the oval and their coach was um, talking to them over the fence and um, went back into the rooms and then had to um, work out how they were going to play. Luckily, Steve Hocking was on hand to um, make sure that the game could because I think it, the lights went out a second time. Didn't that's they? right. Later on yeah. as well. So I, I don't know that they can keep playing at that oval. I mean, and it's it, obviously a, a lightning rod or something going on there that's it attracting could have gone the weather. Way. It's so electric. Mm. If anyone uh, ever doubts the loyalty, loyalty of the AFLW fans, uh, they need not any more because we received this message from one of our listeners, Georgia, from last night. So it's about ten minutes before the game's supposed to start, and it's been raining for about half an hour. Uh, lightning has hit the car park right near us. We're soaking wet. But we've still got umbrellas and raincoats on. So Liz, this is your first game of AFL football. Are you looking forward to it? Well, I am because I'm hopeful that the rain will stop by the time the game starts. But at the moment all I can see is seagulls on the field. Uh, the grass does look very nice, I have to admit. It will have just got another soaking too. So Now, I've committed to go to every GWS game this year, but right now I'm feeling a little bit like I want to go home. My feet are wet, my shirt is wet, but I think we're going to hang out. Georgina and Liz, thank you so much. Just hearing that, you can just imagine mm. being there and... Uh... It, it just makes you realise what a challenge these girls are up against playing AFLW because you just cannot predict what's going to happen with weather. And I, I know there's some variation in um, the AFLM season, but at this time of the year, you know, it, it could be 45 degrees or it could be, you know, thunder and lightning. We've got quite a rainy day today in Melbourne uh, for the games that are scheduled here. 
which feels a little bit more like a winter sport. But, um, you know, I don't know how they prepare. It's, uh, it's extraordinary what they do. And, of course, the Giants went down to north by 25 points. It was 23 to north, 48. This is how the action unfolded, thanks to Fox footy. Comes back to Eva. She loves a goal. She snares a goal. Alicia Eva, the All-Australian from last year. The vice-captain of this team, rain, hail or shine, she always plays a good game. And the nightmare. lights have gone out again. It's a nightmare at the moment, the lights are so out. It, is, it looks like it's the same two light towers that uh, went out about an hour before the scheduled... And it, it actually feels darker, Ben, doesn't yeah, it, it does. here than what you're seeing on the screen. So play cannot continue. King, big arms up. Can't quite gather it. Beeson just scraps it forward and the kick has landed in the lap of Abitangelo. Never kicked a goal in the AFLW. Mother of two, lining it up. Can she convert and extend the lead? You bet she can. Gum will send this inside 50. It's in a dangerous spot as well. At the back, beautifully read by Bonner. And she goes in and kicks a goal for the GWS Giants. Off to Carney. That's Fuse. Speedy steps and then drives it long. Abitangelo, the fresh air, he came from Bateman. Abitangelo picked it up and guess who's waiting? In the goal square all by themselves. The giant, Emmett Ping. It's not like you couldn't see her down there. North Melbourne have triumphed over the Giants and proving why they are a contender for the 2019 AFLW Premiership. North are becoming absolute contenders. They really are. I think what we learned about them last night is that they're the real deal. They were playing some outside running football that really, you know, belied the conditions. And I think what it also does is puts a pressure really on GWS. I think that's what we're going to see now with the conferences and this really short, intense season that you know, two losses, your bats against the wall. Two games down, can they make it? You're hoping, you're hoping that they can oh, when you see the players yeah. and you just love them. I feel like North's just got lots of goal-kicking options too and it was really great to see that. But I think my favourite piece of play last night was watching um, Jess Duffin um, running through the centre and taking down, I think it was Cora that she she caught and, and mm. took her down. I mean, the, the size differential in that tackle is extraordinary to start with. Jess Duffin is just having, a you know, a great season so far. As is Emma King, who's oh. actually the queen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She got MVP last week. Look at her Twitter feed. She does the most natural segue to camera you've ever seen with a cup of tea. Um, that's all I'll say about that. But Shiloh Curtis is with us now. She's manager, female engagement with Golf Australia, ABC Grandstands, AFLW expert, and our absolute gorgeous friend. How are you, Shiloh? I'm terrific. It's freezing down here, though, in uh, at 13th Beach golf course because uh, a big rain has come through Geelong and so for the last hour or so, a couple of hours this morning I was out on the tee having to announce the starters this morning in the Vic Open and then the rain came through and it's really cold. (laughs) Just wondering, you met your hero, uh, Hillary Clinton. Yes, I did. And I don't have, I've never really had heroes, but, you know, or role models, I mean, lots of role models, but certainly not heroes. And I was very fortunate six years ago to actually spend a month at the LPGA in Florida, which is a ladies professional golf association, as part of a program that Hillary sort of oversaw as the Secretary of State. And the very last day we got to meet Hillary Clinton and it was very unexpected and it happened very suddenly. We all got sort of 45 minutes one-on-one with her. So the uncool bit is that when I got, when it was my turn to take the photo, I was so overwhelmed 
that um, I was crying and I, could, <laughs> I got my words out and I was able to say thank you for being for doing what she did. But my photo, I have this one photo which has been my forever Facebook profile pic till I'll be 85, um, is me um, with Hillary Clinton, my arms around Hillary Clinton, but I'm crying. Yeah. Oh. It's pretty uncool. Yeah, yeah. Is Hillary, meeting her, is, but uh, very uncool with a photo of me crying. Is Hillary any good at golf? Um, I don't know she's much good at sport, but I think she really enjoys it and she, she loves the power of sport and that's why she, you know, instigated the program, the Global Sport Mentoring Program, which I'm a part of, because she understands that sport has great ability to empower women and girls um, in the broader community. So, um, yeah, she, she really values what sport brings to our, our community globally and it's a really great um, language that we all speak. It doesn't matter where we come from. It's, it's really powerful and I don't know if she's any good at sport though. Sorry. Shiloh, I imagine that you would have um, tuned in and watched the game last night. Have you ever experienced something like that where a game's delayed and called off and put back on and those sorts of conditions? No, not at all. And I think uh, what we got last year in the opening round with the the Melbourne game that was called off at Casey Field sort of pre-halftime or sort of postponed because there was a big lightning storm over the ground. I'd never experienced anything like that. And then sure enough, you know, last year we got the, uh, the, the GWS game last year and then Last night was just, well, let's just make it even. Let's just take it up a notch. You know, we're just going to amplify AFLW in season three. It was uh, pretty crazy. Shiloh, it's Kate here. We were just talking about North's performance last night and particularly the performance of Emma King, among among others. But North have been extremely impressive in these first two weeks. Do you think, I mean, I know I'm, I'm maybe going the early crow here, but can they be beaten? Well, I think the important thing is, uh, like any team, you've got to keep your, your best players on the park. And we know that their best players run pretty deep, that they did a really good job of recruitment with their recruitment. We know the biggest challenge for North Melbourne is simply around can they get them to be cohesive uh, as a unit so quickly when everyone else has already had so many opportunities to sort of the last two seasons to bring their team together. We need, uh, North needs to sort of be able to do that. Injuries, you know, play massive impact. They've got a really deep list. They, they really challenge teams in every zone around the ground. So that makes it um, really challenging for the opposition to sort of man up against them and sort of structure up against them. So I thought uh, when they were challenged last night in, in different areas of the ground that they had an answer and, and potentially forward line answer for them is Emma King. Uh, whether she's a ruck, I think that remains to be seen, but her athleticism and her ability to, to compete and take contested marks, potentially she's actually a forward to, who pinch hits through the ruck uh, rather than the other way around because I think sometimes when she does play in the ruck, she does go a little bit missing around the ground a little bit. So uh, we saw that from her last year. But, yeah, her work up forward has made her really dangerous and potentially that's where she might end up. Have you seen Emma Carney playing stronger football than she's playing at the moment? Have I seen her play stronger football? I think what I've seen from Emma is uh, a willingness to be this year in the two games that we've seen. She's playing a role and she's... And I think the, the thing that she, I think she really values and respects the quality and the talent that is positioned around her. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you know, I think she's probably feeling less pressure to get the 30 disposals a game to carry the team through the midfield or whatever. That And I, and I certainly know that's how the, the club has been structured up, that everyone plays their role and just and will work together collectively and collaboratively. I think that's probably an element of her game that she's probably wanted to work on and, and we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, she's going to get a tighter tag every game. The opponent's going to play a lot closer to her. Um, so she's still going to go on that journey. It is a journey to learn how to play against a tagger and it gets re- it gets harder and harder because they, they see, especially I guess in AFLW, they get more stats, they get more vision. 
So they've got more in their ammunition to be able to combat you. So learning how to break a tag can be really tricky. Uh, so I think she's on that journey. Uh, but at the same time, I think she's also very happy for everyone in the team to play a role. And as we saw in the Bulldogs in that first year, she can get 30 touches a game. But if the rest of the team is not touching the ball, that's a problem. So I think she'd be pretty happy with the fact that the ball is being shared around the team. And, and that's what it takes to win a flag. You've got to have everyone playing a role and, and having good structure. And I think we've seen that from North Melbourne so far in their first two games. We've got some really intriguing games coming up for the rest of the round. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, learning more more about who can do what. You know, I think there's so much change between the teams at the moment, particularly with expansion, that we sort of don't know who can do what. So I'm looking forward to learning a lot more. Tonight, I think we learned a little bit about the GWS Giants. They're very favoured uh, coming into the season. They've obviously got a bit of work to do, certainly in their forward line structure. And, you know, they had some injuries last week and this week, which have really probably cost them. North, yeah, I think we, we've learned that they are definitely the real deal. Um, they structure up really well. For me... Collingwood going to Vic Park, mm-hmm. going back home. I'm really looking forward to the, the community vibe that, that that will offer. I'm looking forward to seeing Geelong play against the Western Bulldogs with Erin Hoare in, in the ruck, which means we'll get more of Astor O'Connor up forward and we throw Phoebe McWilliams back in the mix. And all of a sudden, Geelong forward line looks a little bit ominous. So I'm looking forward to that. Fremantle versus Brisbane. This is an interesting one for non-Victorians to sort of care about. But... What I saw from Fremantle last week against Melbourne was a really beautiful attacking style of play. I love Ebony Rose Antonio playing a centre-half forward rather than centre-half back. Loved seeing her in that role. And then what it did to the rest of the team, Hayley Miller coming out of defence, coming into the midfield, the same as having Hooker, uh, Donnellan and uh, Miller in the midfield for Fremantle really caused Melbourne some headaches last week. So, And then they've got the dangerous ro- Antonio um, up forward. I love that structure. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that sort of offensive attacking style of play does uh, against a really strong defensive unit in Brisbane. So they're probably my highlights for the weekend. Uh, I really enjoyed watching um, Sabrina Duffy playing. Do you know much about her story or where she's come from? Yeah, yeah. Sabrina is a great kid. She's been in the high performance program over in WA for oh, probably since she was about 13. So she's had to really work hard physically and, and, and emotionally, I think, to, to get herself into a good position to play good footy. She knows how to find the footy and she's got a strong body and she's just got such beautiful footy smarts that she knows where to be at the right time. But her hands are really clean, a little bit like Sarah Perkins or, and you might even see Tate Mackerel up in, at the GWS, same thing, beautiful, strong hands, really one grab. And then her ability to finish by foot is quite lovely, but we will eventually see her in two or three or four seasons with some more um, pre-season work under her belt. We'll see her play a bit more of a midfield role eventually. I really like her in that sort of inside mid role with, and she'll pinch it forward, but she's exciting and she's a lovely kid with great leadership and really humble as well. We're speaking with Shiloh Curtis, ABC Grandstand AFLW expert and female engagement senior manager with Golf Australia. Thanks, Shy, and well done with all your work at the Vic Open. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah, thanks very much. It's um, it's a terrific event, and you know, it's just we've actually got a tea grouping out there today, uh, because of the way everything um, with the cut that was made last night. We've got a tea grouping of two men and a woman playing today. It's the first time it's ever happened in the whole world, and wow. it's a it's pretty extraordinary. And so, Kari Webb played a beautiful round yesterday. She she um she actually played the best round of all the women yesterday to get herself into fifth position. So she'll be out in the course this afternoon, and she hasn't won a Vic Open yet. So, you know, we'd love to see her come home well. But Sue is our best place to Australian. She's sitting in third spot. So it's great to see um, gender equality going beyond the the, the football codes and and working its way into golf as well. You're listening to ABC Melbourne 
and it is The Outer Sanctum with you. We've got an SMS here. Zoe from Seddon listening to The Outer Sanctum. Pumped for the dogs-cats game at Whitnoble tonight. Taking some less footy-inclined mates and hoping to convert them. Hashtag be more bulldog. We know where you are. We know where you <laughs> sit there. Love the pod. And uh, morning girls, I had the ultimate triple banger hero encounter. I love those. I wrote a song about Tony Lockett in 88 and sent it to the Saints. They loved it and arranged for me to meet the great plugger. Then they arranged for me to meet Molly Meldrum, who introduced oh, wow. me to Billy Miller, who later recorded <laughs> it. Craig of Elwood. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and North handled the conditions very well last night. They forgot about playing fancy and it made them look so potent. Yes, they have recruited very well, but they also gelled really quickly. And we think that too. Thought Caitlin Ashmore really shone last night from Pete. And congratulations to the Outer Sanctum. Uh, it's saying that we're going to win a Walkley and a Noble I don't, Nobel Peace Prize. I, I don't know about that. So with a weekend wrap, we just have to talk a little bit about the week that was because what a week. Who should we start with? Lucy. Well, it was an amazing weekend because I think, you know, there was something like 36,000 people actually went to games and the TV ratings were huge. They were really close games. So four games decided by less than a goal. What was your favourite? Oh, gee, I really um, think you can't go past the D's and Frio game, Mm. which I know you went to, Lucy, played in absolutely scorching hot conditions here in Melbourne, actually down in Casey. I must say, I think that's probably the best game of women's footy that I've ever seen. Um, It was high scoring. It ebbed and flowed and it was a free-flowing match as well. And it just when it looked like Melbourne was going to win that game, Frio managed to come back in the, in the final moments. I must confess that I thought, I think we probably all thought that Frio wasn't going to go that well this year and I was stunned by their performance because, as we just heard, they were a much more free-flowing team, high-scoring. Um, it was really good footy to watch and for me that was really the pick of the bunch. Mm. One of the lovely things that came out of that game was the story of Kiara Bowers. So Kiara returned, played her first game of AFLW football after being one of the first players drafted and we caught up with her on the sidelines. I got told the other day it was 30 months since I got signed and uh, you know it feels that long. Um, it was a good time you know being drafted and then to to obviously find out you're not going to play um, is obviously heartbreaking but today makes up for all that hard work that we put in over those 30 months. How do you keep your spirits up over that time? Because that's really, that is a long time and you had a couple of setbacks along the way. Yeah, we did, you know, I mean, it's my third knee, so you can't expect it to go pretty smooth. But you know what, I'd obviously done two before and I I said to myself this time, if I need a day to to grieve and get angry and, you know, go do a boxing session as I need to, um, I took that time and I ate chocolate and I did what I needed and then I'd take the next day and go, all right, now we get back into it and we we get on with it. You're not going to ever sitting yourself for that long you're always going to get up and get up the next day so that's what I thought I did. The club has really stood by you how did it feel to be able to repay them today? Yeah I mean that's something that used to get me a bit emotional was the fact that they'd put so much energy into myself and I wasn't giving back what they were trying to give back to me so today I I sent a, a message to a couple of the boys obviously Wade um, who was the man that I first had a meeting with and said, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for me and every meeting that you sat down and said that you backed me in no matter what um, and I'll make sure that I continue to, to put as much as I can out on the park for them because that's 
the way I'm going to repay them. And how did you stay involved with the club through that rehab? Were you Did you take any kind of um, mentoring roles with the other players? Uh, not so much. Obviously, I got voted in the leadership group every year, which is really humbling. But obviously, being in rehab, you're in the gym a lot more and not on the track. So I made sure that if anything I could do, that I'd get every, every inch of the rehab girls up and about that I could because that's where I was based pretty much the whole time. So if anyone else was in there with me, I make sure they do an extra couple of sets because I know I was trying to do mm-hmm. that. So that was that was one of my goals. We saw you kick a goal in the last quarter there and arguably it you know, really helped with the momentum for you guys. Everyone tried to get to you. What did that feel like? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> speeches, to be honest. I'm, I'm glad I kicked it, let's just say that. <laughs> No, icing on the cake. I, I can't thank the girls enough. They've gotten them around me every single running session, every single weight session. You feel like you go through it alone, but you don't. Every time I was down there, there was someone else down there egging you on, and I can't thank them enough. I couldn't have done it without them. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us, Kiara. We are so happy to see you out there and wish you and the team all the best for the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thank you guys very, very much. Gosh, it was so emotional talking to Kiara. I'm tearing up thinking about it now. But there was so much excitement and passion amongst the Frio supporters, none more so than some of the mums of the players who we also caught up with. So I'm standing here with Ashley Sharp's mum. You've just watched your girl come off. How did that feel? I'm so stoked that the girls won. They've put in so much hard work. Ashley, she's this her third year, do or die for her, I thought. And she's put in lots of hard work. The girls are putting lots of hard work. They were so nervous, so it was really good. Really, really good. It's a different team, a different atmosphere. Trent's been awesome with them, the coach, and the girls. Ashley, especially for me, is very happy with her footy. She's very happy. As a parent, that must mean everything. Yeah, it does. If she's happy, I'm happy, and she plays good footy when she's happy. She plays great footy. So I'm standing here with Juddie's mum. How did that feel? Oh, that was amazing. It was the best feeling. You know, no one's given them a chance. You know, they've gone under the radar. This is a team that can go all the way. They have the talent. They have the girls. They have the coaching staff. Watch out. For me, it's difficult because I live in Melbourne. And so Cara's in um, Perth, but we talk every week. And I just, this year, the girls... They really gelled. They really like one another and they're going out there as a, as one unit and as a team and that just showed today. So I just think the spirit and the culture of the club and the team has really just gone tenfold this year. So we're very excited. And how did it feel to stand out here in the outer with a whole lot of other Frio supporters? You made a lot of noise. Oh, we always do. <laughs> That's one thing you can guarantee that we will make noise. No, look, it's just there's a lot of new young girls and their parents came across for the game and you could just sense that there was this real... We all sat together. I mean, there was people out, but we all cheered together. We all sat together and um, we followed the girls as one. It was just amazing. Oh, it was so gorgeous to see so many Frio fans at that game. And um, there was a couple of things that I noticed across the round, across all the games. And in the, the first round of AFLW... There seemed to be a lot of toe pokes, you know, where people would run at a contest and and rather than get down and pick up the ball, there was a lot of kicking off the ground. Now, I don't think I saw it once in all the games I watched last round, maybe maybe once. It was really part of season one of AFLW and it was something that, you know, we were all talking about saying, no, we've got to, we've got to work out this better. Everyone's got to get down and grab the ball. And when we talk about the standard changing and everyone's saying, you know, it'll take a while for things to develop, well, this has developed really quickly. I mean, the, the actual ability to, to get the ball and keep going is extraordinary. And the second thing that really struck me was the amount of tackling in AFLW is enormous. And 
I know we don't do stats on this show, so <laughs> indulge me. I, I took a moment and I looked up the average number of tackles in a game of AFLW, and the average is 60 tackles per game. So then I compared it to the, um, the AFLM last year, and do you know what the average is in AFLM? It's 60 tackles a game. It was so with a shorter game. With a shorter game. And with more players on the more field. More players, mm. um, there is as many tackles. So when we're talking about the physicality of the game and, um, you know, the impact on bodies and especially on hard summer grounds, you know, there's a whole lot of things to take into account there that these girls are doing it tough out there. There was actually, Felicity, on that note, a really interesting article that caught my eye this week on the AFL Women's website by Mark McGowan. And he articulated something that I felt like I was seeing in that first week of games, which was a really sharp jump in the number of effective kicks and the lengths of kicks in round one. And there's a whole lot of data in that article and I encourage you to go and have a look at it. But essentially from season one to season two, the number of kicks, the length of kicks, kicking efficiency jumped a lot. And then already from season two to last weekend, it's jumped again significantly. So it's exactly what we thought we would see. When women get the opportunity to train more, to practice more, to strengthen their bodies and their hamstrings and to get proper coaching and support more intensively, the standard of the game will improve and already um, we're seeing that, which is just wonderful. I'm Emma Carney and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. So we've been loving hearing from you. So please send us your recordings, um, either the social media or through the website, outersanctum.com.au. We loved hearing from Georgina and Liz last night at the game. It's just so precious to us when you send us your work. Here's a great package from Carol who sent us something quite awesome. The Brisbane sporting landscape is uh, probably one of the most sexist landscapes in Australia. It's demonstrable by the fact that uh, on the way to the AFLW Lions v Giants game yesterday, we uh, drove half an hour up the highway and then through a bit of murder bush to get there. It's not actually in Brisbane, Burpengary, where this uh, so-called complex was. I digress, I guess. We won, so that's really great. And um, got to hear the theme song. Big hat tip to uh, Lauren Arnell. Welcome to the Lions. Absolute joy to have her here. And uh, also big hat tip to the enthusiastic and uh, that's the term Mother Teresa would have applied to him, Giants supporter who uh, actually coached the team through every single play. So uh, good on you, mate. I'd forgotten how tense this game was. It's just an absolute joy to see it back. And uh, we're getting some SMSs. Congrats on your award. Very well deserved. I'm so disappointed that I'll be missing the first AFLW match between the Bulldogs, my new adopted club, and Geelong, my prodigal football daughter. And as a child of a Mad Demons fan, Hero Barassi, I was going into the milk bar and a man held a door open for me and saw that it was Ron. I froze. His grin said it had clearly happened before. I could only squeak a feeble, hi. When I moved to Carlton, I changed team navy blue ever since. Go game changers, Sue from Carlton. I love that moment when you meet your heroes. I carried a watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure this next guest is a hero to many too, Dr. Bridie O'Donnell, Director of Office for Women in Sport and Recreation, a champion cyclist and sports and medical commentator. How are you, Bridie? I'm very well. I try not to ever meet my heroes. Have you ever met someone that you've just lost your no, stuff I, to? No, I haven't. And I've met a lot of heroes and I've been so super disappointed. And I meet one pretty much every year who I think has face agnosia and he introduces himself to me all the time. And I think, you know what, mate, 
I don't care how many amazing bike races you've won. If you can't remember meeting me every year, you should see a neurologist. <laughs> and on that note. I, <laughs> I thought we were talking brains today. That's we, why I'm yes. trying to bring neuroscience into this, the conversation early. Well, I, I love that. Well, let's just get maybe your first impressions before we dive deep of, of the round that was week one. Uh, I went to the Geelong Games, the opening game. Um, Geelong invented women's footy, which was good. There were a lot of speeches there ahead of that game um, around their invention of gender equality. So it's good when a small town or Paris of the South, you know, really feels like they want to put themselves on the map. But um, it was pretty cool to sit in a stadium and see, you know, two thirds of, of GMHBA filled up and the noise was terrific. Mm. And thank goodness for the players that Geelong won because we know how Cats fans can be. <laughs> um, Loud. Th- yeah, and mean sometimes. Oh. Uh, well, that's at men's games. We wouldn't um, know. We're all Hawthorne and we don't have any oh, history with Geelong. you don't spit on your own players. <laughs> no, we have no history with Geelong fans. <laughs> don't mention the war, Felicity. Look, it was a fantastic opening round and that game in particular, Bridie, was was um, really exciting and a great a great finish. But on a more sour note, there was also some um, some challenging content, I think, across that first round and also also uh, last night as well. And, and that is that on social media there has been, unfortunately, still a lot of criticism of, of women's footy and, and of the players. I just wanted to, to just mention a little anecdote, and that was that last week during one of the games, I sent out a little tweet about the commentary that I thought was a bit gendered. And I was I thought it was a pretty polite and gentle tweet, but I was inundated with critical and, and offensive responses, which I can't repeat on air. So that gives you a sense of what we're talking about. And as these girls know, I felt pretty affected by it at, at the time. And, and um, as I said, that's sort of indicative of something that was going on across social media more broadly with a lot of people saying that women's footy, you know, we don't need it, we shouldn't be having it, women aren't cut out for playing footy, um, that it's being shoved down people's throats, all kinds of negativity. The Matildas, who we, we mentioned earlier and Felicity mentioned um, that their coach was sacked recently, the Australian women's soccer team, of course. Just this week, we saw a story that there had been a sharp increase in online abuse of the Matildas in the wake of their coach's sacking. I think a lot of speculation that it was their fault and that the players' union had not only spoken out, but referred a matter to the police or at least one matter to the police such is the the sort of level of vitriol and in the wake of all of this that's going on channel 7 did release a short video where some of the aflw captains responded to those comments to those who don't believe in what we're doing um, i think you're slowly becoming the minority and if you don't catch on quickly then you're going to be left behind we love playing the game if you don't love watching us that's okay There are other people that love watching us and we love their support. To the haters, we're here to stay and female football is going to get bigger and better. If you don't like us, we don't need to hear from you. So, Bridie, what do you think is the impact on female athletes of this kind of abuse, especially their mental health and wellbeing? On a superficial level, I don't think athletes mind people having a go because it can fire them up in a a constructive or sort of slightly uh, digging way, like you didn't play well enough. And we certainly hear that when we're in a stadium. But I think that the terrible and wicked paradox from my perspective is that we all act like we want to give everyone a fair go in Australia. But what we really don't want is troublemakers. And we don't want women who make complaints about things, who speak up about bad behaviour. Certainly for the Matildas, there's some sort of um, presumption that evil lesbian mafia dobbed in a great bloke 
and that great bloke lost his job. That's there's that's the mythical theme around Statich's sacking, and having contacts in FFA and understanding a little bit more of that detail. This has been a very long running, challenging relationship with the team and that coach, and it wasn't just around his treatment of players; it was around staff as well. The AFLW players, I think, I found that really interesting that they chose to respond that way because I think for a lot of people and women on on social media, many of them, and I'm this way, I elect not to engage with people who threaten to kill me. I, I wonder whether they did or whether it was something that they were asked to do by the broadcaster, which is, is what I've kind of read. And that for me is a little troubling because it also then comes back to the challenge that we know for so many elite athletes and women athletes is that they don't have an opportunity to say, no, thanks, I don't want mm. to do that. I know as an athlete, um, we were asked to do all sorts of things and you don't sit back and think, hmm, do I want to do that? Is that a message I want to send? Why would I wear that? Why would I say that? Um, you think, oh, cool, I'm being asked to do something. I'm being asked to represent. Or you don't even think you can say no. Um, I think we all need to be more Beyonce for obvious reasons. Beyonce doesn't do interviews. Beyonce doesn't answer the phone. Beyonce, like, she doesn't actually need to um, say or do things until she's decided she needs to say mm. or do things. And that shows a real level of power in the community. And yet what we know about these athletes is they don't feel like they're powerful. They don't feel like they have the autonomy to say, oh, my message is actually going to be over here. And I think that video was taken down a couple of days later. Um, and I, I feel for them because they've gone from zero to hero in the eyes and, and in the speculation of everyone. And everyone has an opinion. With things like this, there's, I guess, different responses depending on whether you're an individual or whether you're an organisation. Do you think that organisations like a, a key broadcaster or like the AFL have some kind of obligation to be moderating their platforms? I think, um, as we all know, it's a big challenge to be a large organisation like the AFL and take a stand on things. And I have a personal view that that wasn't done well when in response to Adam Goods' treatment, for example, that things a statement could have been made about what do we think about booing and what do we think about racial vilification and the opportunity may have been missed in that case. That's my personal view. When it comes to the protection of a team, I think the challenge, and I know a lot of the people who run these women's teams and they're amazing and dedicated people, they want they want eyeballs on their team. They want visibility of their players. They're trying to promote these amazing players. So they probably made a call about doing it that way um, and they may all have had different feelings about it in the aftermath. I just can't get over Be More Beyonce. That is my new bumper sticker and I'm Googling T-shirts as we speak. Um, we have to talk injuries, of course. We do. And I think, you know, sadly we've seen already two girls have ruptured their ACLs in um, Shay Sloan and Nina Morrison. Inevitably, there's going to be a discussion about what that means and does that mean that women shouldn't be playing football? Um, what are your thoughts on how we handle injuries? Well, injuries are a part of any contact sport and an aggressive, um, what we call an invasion sport. I've got a colleague who's a former um, college basketballer and she said she's broken bits of her back and her nose and her elbows mm. dozens of times and that's because of the nature of the game. Uh, so it's absolutely no reason to stop women from playing footy. What I also find interesting and probably reassuring in many ways, not to hear that someone like Nina Morrison has done her ACL, but that what we're seeing too is that muscular fit, really experienced types of athletes, even though she's very young, are also doing their ACL. So this isn't just about women with a, a wide cue angle. And if um, if you think about generally a woman's hips relative to the angle of her knee is wider than that is for a man. 
So there's a little bit more force can, that can go through the changing direction of a knee. And possibly what we definitely saw in AFL season one was women who've had less experience in strength and conditioning training. Not everyone was Erin Phillips. There were a lot of women who'd never done a weights program. So we saw greater variety in the types of athletes. Now we're starting to see more women whose athletic physiques are a little bit more homogenous, if you like. And yet we see, in, even in training, which I understand was when Nina injured her knee. So absolutely no reason to stop them, but it's also a bit about the situational awareness of a physique. And when you're 18, it's not as great as when you're 30. And also the idea around drills. And, and obviously that's a coaching responsibility about possibly some ideas on prevention. I thought it was interesting because there was sort of like cue the uh, cue the hysteria response from you know people saying oh yeah here we go again more ACLs and then um, someone asked Debbie Lee about it and Debbie Lee knows everything about women's football as you you all know she's um, the Bulldogs head of the women's program and she was very calm she goes no I'm not shocked you know um, the reality is women are made differently we're more prone to knee injuries nothing to see here move on women know this they they we take the risk if you know if you choose to play the sport you know what the risks are i don't think the people within the game are panicking it, it's the the people outside looking at it who are um i guess making the the alarming sort of uh, comments about it also um there hasn't been this sort of public outrage about all the netball players that do their acls all the time that's a brutal game for knees it's a dumb stepping rule i don't get me started on netball stepping rule but you know those athletes mm. are extraordinary incredibly fit really really accustomed to the activity and they still get injured mm. so sport is dangerous um, but we need to be careful about um, risk that isn't being well uh, moderated and assessed by the right types of sports medicine people. Bridie, you, you did mention brains earlier, and I know that you know that one of the th- other things that we hear talked about quite a lot is concussion and the incidence and prevalence of concussion among um, female footballers. Do you have any thoughts on on that as well? Because similarly, there's been a, a bit of a panic around about that and questions asked about the viability of the, the whole competition as a result. There's not a lot of research around women's concussion internationally, but certainly there is some work being done at Monash University to look at a trial, and they began that last year, which is fantastic. So looking at some baseline neurological signs and then monitoring both male and female athletes throughout seasons. The challenge, of course, again, is um, our reluctance to see women being hurt. Um, If I can slightly digress, um, I'm obviously a big fan of cycling and riding to school, and yet parents are five times more likely to let their son ride to school than their daughter. This is often in an age group where we know men take dumb risks and girls are very risk averse. So girls aren't are likely to do stuff that's likely to get them killed. So we are more protective of our daughters than we are of our sons and we feel more anguish when girls break bones and, and get head injuries than boys do. And I don't think that's appropriate. We should be concerned about all our athletes with concussion. But also, again, uh, we need to be better at monitoring concussion and preempting situations that would return athletes to sport too soon. We know it's happening in a very dire way in the NFL and the United States. So certainly um, there were women with head injuries over those first two seasons. I think there were 30 women with concussion over the first two seasons. I also know that at a grassroots level, there are coaches that are not always giving great advice to girls and women that are playing footy. Like if you lead in with your head, you'll draw a penalty. Uh, That's dumb advice. Um, So we often need to see the right coaching staff giving the best advice around tackling about self-protection, which we know boys and men have been learning for longer because they've been supervised by professionals for much longer. We're loving your 
your SMSs, rather than the league or Channel 7 getting the AFLW captains to make that video, they should have had several male players doing it. It's time for men to step up and back the women who are also representing their clubs and improving the overall footy product for all. Thanks, Pete. And uh, we heard from Sport Australia Chief Executive Kate Palmer this week expressing the view that talking about women's sport is no longer acceptable, that it's time to rewrite the language of Australian sport by dropping the divisive labels. Just a quick response to that. I've heard Kate talk about that before in October and I absolutely agree with her. There's footy for men, footy for women, there's women's cycling, there's men's cycling, um, but there's not categories that make it special. And I think that's where AFLW has suffered. It's being compared all the time to some sort of gold standard version that people think is the right way to play footy. Friday, um, this week I saw that the um, the very famous fearless girl statue um, is coming to Melbourne. Um, most people would hopefully recognise it from um, the original one in Wall Street and Melbourne is going to have one. And we've been told that uh, this statue is here to represent the idea of um, gender diversity, gender equality and uh, quite deliberately made by the artist for this girl to be looking, not belligerent, but looking uh, fierce and, and strong and powerful. And we've been told that the, the statue will be in Federation Square for two years and then it needs a home after that. Would it look nice in your office? <laughs> Thank you for offering on behalf of Wall Street and I'll gratefully accept. <laughs> well, there will be four, so we'll have a permanent one. And quite, quite seriously, I think it would look lovely at the MCG just to have a little oh, aspirational, uh, strong girl standing there amongst the uh, the avenue of and champions. And in the interest of equity, of course, she needs to be more elevated so her head is at the same height as Kevin Bartlett and all the other Correct. hombres. Oh, she can lo- stare down Lee Matthews. <laughs> I, I love it. Craig got in touch with us to tell us that he wrote The Champ from Ballarat, which he said originally was The Brute from Ballarat, and here it is sung by Billy Miller to take us out today. And we always end this way, Dr Bridie O'Donnell, we always say... Go, go footy! footy. Old girls want you for a son-in-law Old-timers think you're beautiful